Welcome to Grace Covenant Church, D.C. You're listening to our weekly sermon podcast. We hope that you enjoyed this message. Father, we love the youth. We love our children, but you love them even more than we do. And Lord, I ask that in this moment in particular, in this season of time, that you would equip us, the the generation of adults, in order to equip them to go and be your foot soldiers. Equip them to have relationship with you that would spill over into relationship with, with the youth of this city teaching them and pointing them back to you. We trust you for this, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Um, I'm excited about what the Lord has given me um, to share today. Um, My my title is called, What's in in Parens, His Name. We hear the phrase all the time, what's in a name? But really what I want you to focus on this morning is what's in his name? What's in his name? I believe that in his name, this, this, the Lord's going to speak things to you this morning. But we're going to talk about three things that are in his name. Image, identity, and increase. So in our text, um, we're talking about generational transfer, the next generation. Sometimes we need to kind of expand what we think about generational transfer. Um, I want to read for you uh, Psalm 145, our, our kind of theme scripture for, for this whole month as we talk about generational transfer. In Psalm 145 verse 4, it says, one generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. One generation tells of your works, of who you are. One generation to another. And I want you to note that we're not just talking about the passing generation to the upcoming generation, but one generation to the next. It can go both ways. Did you hear Catherine's testimony? One generation to another. So we can kind of take the labels off of who's doing the speaking and who's doing the teaching, who's doing the encouragement. Because sometimes, tell you the truth, I listen to my kids and I'm like, wow, I, 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 know, I know what I taught you, but I, I also know where you got that from. And it did not come from me, but it's coming to me now from you. And so opening up our ears, opening up our expectation taking off the labels from one generation to the next, declaring the works of the Lord, praise of who he is. So when we think about this idea of image, um, we have to go all the way back to Genesis. We have to go back to creation. We have to go to the first, the very first generation that when God created mankind, that he generated life and he transfers something to them. That was the first generational transfer. You agree with me? And so in Genesis 1, verse 26, this is what it says. Then God said, 
Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. So God created mankind of the dust of the earth, and then he put his image on mankind. The image of God. What is in the image of God? Well, he said, let's make man in our image. Then he said that they can do what? Rule. That they can rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over every creature on the earth. So that's the first aspect, authority. The first aspect of God's image. I really want us to really take in. But we know from scripture, if you, if you have walked in the word at any point, or if you have just heard anything of God, if you hear the praises of God, you know he is righteous. There is security in him. Intimacy of relationship. There's a whole lot in the image of God. What's in a name? In the image of God, there's righteousness, there's holiness, there's purity, there's peace, there's love, there's authority. And so as Adam and Eve were placed in the garden, the first man, the first woman were placed in the garden at the beginning of creation. God placed his image on them. And he said, rule over everything. And then they were allowed to go about life as they decided to live it. Well, if you know the story, Adam and Eve disobeyed. God said, do not eat of the tree. They ate of the tree. In the moment that they disobeyed, guess what happened? Perhaps they couldn't see it. Perhaps they didn't know what would happen. But the image of God that was placed upon them was now infected. Infected with disobedience. And as they live their lives, as they begin to have children, as they begin the next generation. If you read there in scripture, now those who had the image of God placed upon them begin to reproduce in the image of man. All they had left was their own image. So between the image of God and the image of man, because this disobedience kind of came in, there was a diminishing of the image of God. There was a diminishing of that authority. There was a diminishing of that righteousness, a diminishment of the security in relationship, the intimacy of fellowship that they could have. And guess what they gave to the next generation? A diminished image of God, which was the image of man. Unfortunately, this is what they handed to the next generation. God knew that he would need to intervene. God knew that left by themselves from generation to generation to generation and centuries later, the image that they were handing from generation to generation would be a further and further, further and further diminishment of what he gave them in the first place. And so I want to take you to, now let's talk about identity. Let's, let me take you to 
Isaiah chapter 44, beginning with verse 1. So, but now listen, Jacob, my servant. And when, and when this was prophesied by the prophet Isaiah, and he was speaking to Jacob, it was more figuratively speaking about the whole family of the people of Israel, the name Jacob. Now listen, my Jacob, my servant, Israel, whom I have chosen. This is what the Lord says. He who made you first in creation formed you in the womb and he will help you. See, God knew that they would need help to come back to the image that he originally intended for them. Do not be afraid, Jacob, my servant. Just shurum. This was a term of endearment whom I have chosen. For I will pour water on the thirsty land and, I, and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring. All right. Adam and Eve weren't able to transfer, to, to give to the next generation the image of God. But guess what? God would step in himself. And at this point, he said, I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. They will spring up like grass in a, <laughs> in a meadow, like poplar trees by flowing streams. Some will say, what will they say? I belong to the Lord, identity. Others will call themselves by the name of Jacob, identifying with the family of God. Still others will write on their hand, the Lord's, I belong to him. And will take the name Israel. So you see, God knew that he would need to step in and redeem to, to get back his people whom he had placed his image on. But in the midst of winning them back, bringing them back, he gives us an opportunity. He gives his people an opportunity to identify with him. Identity is wrapped up in who you identify with. Who you identify with who you agree with, who you follow. Um, I remember, you know, being a young child and I grew up on the mean streets of North Philadelphia. If anybody knows North Philadelphia from the time that I grew up there, you know that I'm really telling the truth. But there was a season in my life in that time that, you know, I, I grew up in a household where I had nine brothers and sisters. It was like a slumber party every night with, with nine best friends, mom and dad. And, and yes, we all lived in one house. Yes, we're all from the same union, mom and dad. And I grew up on the streets, as I said, of North Philadelphia. I, I lived in a carefree way. I probably should have been more careful, but I didn't even know it. Why? Because the environment in my home was made secure by my family, by my parents, by my sisters and brothers. There was a special pride that I enjoyed for being a part of that family. I would walk down the street and somebody would see me and they said, you're a minus, aren't you? 
That's, that was my maiden name, Minus. You can go ahead and laugh. It's okay. M-I-N-U-S. Yes, I've heard all the jokes, subtraction, you know, all that stuff. It was, it was, I didn't care about the jokes because I was a part of this family. I identified. Somebody could look at me or one of my brothers and sisters and say, you, you look like your daddy. You look like your mom. They identified me with that family. And so I identified with that family, what we stood for. You know, we had notoriety in, in the community. People knew who we were, and I was proud of that. I was proud to belong to that family. There is inside of identity, it's not just the resemble, the outward appearance. It is embracing the values of that family. It's following the leadership, the authority in that family. It's agreeing with what that family does and is and represents. In Isaiah 44, this was God declaring that even though the image that I've placed on my people at first is, is dissipating from generation to generation because it's not being handed from generation to generation, I'm going to step in. I'm going to redeem my people that are called by my name. And I'm going to pour out my spirit. It's like over and over again, God is placing or he wants to place his image on whomever will say, Lord, I identify with you. I will write on my hand the Lord's. Lord, I am with you. I am yours and you are mine. I will follow you. It takes the grace of God. It takes responding to his spirit. It takes receiving what he wants to pour out on us and have wanted to from the beginning. This generation is crying out for identity. They don't know who they were originally created to be. They don't know what God intended from the beginning. And it takes one generation to the next, to declare who he is so that we can know who we are. And so I want to tell you what else is in that name. There is increase in his name, identifying with him and taking on everything that he has for us. I'm going to go to 1 Peter chapter 2. And we're going to start with verse 7. Says now to you who believe, this stone, meaning Jesus, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected, that the culture rejects, the, the, the stone, the person, Jesus, that is rejected by the culture has become the cornerstone. And a stone that causes people to stumble. And a rock that makes them fall. Not because God is not for them all, but because they don't decide to identify with him. They stumble because they disobeyed the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may do what? Declare the praises of him who called you out 
of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, you didn't even know what was handed to you from generation to generation because it wasn't handed to you. It was marred. It was diminished. But now you are the people of God. But once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Yes, that's a moment we can shout. When you decide to identify with him, it's as if God remembers you. Like, it's not as if he forgot, but that he begins to replace or he begins to redeem. He begins to restore the image that he had in mind for you from the beginning. There are places in our lives where we can think, any, any one of us right now, there's, there's a struggle to identify with the way of God, the will of God, the purpose, the intent of God. Places where we have stumbled because of disobedience. Places where we, that, that it needs to be restored. We need to be reminded of the image of God that you have been created for, that you have been called into. But making that decision to step into that image again, making the decision to identify with him. When you identify with someone by, by virtue of the fact that you're identifying with one, you're, you are not identifying. You are disassociating yourself with another. And there is authority that God intends for us. There is passion. There is identity that he has given us from the beginning that he desires for us to pass on to the coming generation, to teach them, to declare to them his great works, who he is. The only way this generation is going to be able to go like mighty soldiers into a world that rejects the cornerstone as if they have the, the encouragement, the, the cheering on, the boldness, the power, the authority that they get from this now generation. And so I don't want anybody to walk away from what I'm saying today, but to be, but, or to be uh, condemned. But rather, I want you to be encouraged and empowered to know that this, this is an invitation. When God says, I will pour out my spirit on your offspring, he is saying, I will call them back to me. And return them, restore them to what I intended. It only happens by his spirit. So my question to you is, will you stand up and identify with him? Will you stand up in this culture that rejects the cornerstone and identify with him and write on your hand, Write on your heart, write on your mind, write on your life. I am the Lord's. We do this by our obedience unto him. What's in a name? 
Our obedience is in that name. And when we decide to identify with him and take on his image of authority and righteousness, security in who we are, in our identity, there is increase. There's an increase that you do not, do not know yet until you align and identify with him. If we go back to the beginning, back to Genesis 1, 26, 27, 28. After he put his image on them, there was something very real that God did. He put his image on them. He gave them authority. And then he said, go, be fruitful and multiply. Being fruitful and multiplying is far beyond just having children just bringing children into the world. Being fruitful and multiply is a transfer of the values. What are you being fruitful in? Obedience to God. What are you multiplying? Hearts that love God and follow him and serve him. That is when we experience the life of Christ. And anything that has the life of Christ will increase, will grow, it will take over the world. I'm going to pray for us right now because some of us are struggling in our identity. Perhaps it wasn't handed down to you, the image of God identifying with him. Perhaps the culture has got you confused. Perhaps you're wondering, what does this all add up to? It adds up to the increase of his dominion that we carry out of our own lives. But we can't carry the image of God and the authority and dominion of his power unless we identify with him. Unless we stand up in this culture and shout, I am the Lord's. Father, we surrender again to you. Lord, you know where every heart is in this room. You are calling us to identify with you. You're calling us into your great family. We attempt to have authority and effectiveness and success in all the arenas of the world. But without identifying with you, without carrying your image, there is power, there's authority, there's dominion that we will not have. Lord, I stand here in proxy on behalf of everybody in the room. Forgive us our sins, God. Forgive us for every place where we've disobeyed you. Forgive us, Lord, for every Every time we diminish the image of God off of our lives and failed to carry your image and failed to identify with you. But Lord, have mercy on us. Oh Lord, you have called us. You have chosen us. Have mercy on us. Redeem our lives. In every place where we fall short, in every place where we've missed it, 
in every place where we are confused, in every place where we've doubted, in every place where we have allowed the culture to influence us or sway us. Set us free, Lord. Set us free from every chain, from every prison that attempts to keep us from being and doing what you've called us to be. Lord, in this room, there are those of us who need to sense your restoration life again. Perhaps you've made the decision already to follow Jesus. Perhaps you've seen places in your life where you failed to identify with him and walk in righteousness and walk in authority over every sin bondage that wants to take you out. I want to pray for you now. Lift your hands. Let me know who I'm praying for. And I'm going to pray for you right now. All over this place. I see that hand. I see those hands. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. You see the hands? Yes, Lord. I see it. You see the hearts, Jesus? I ask that you would restore every heart to your original intent. Lord, every one of us falls short. I see those hands. God sees those hands. He sees those hearts. We've fallen short in some way, shape, or form. But your mercy and your grace and your spirit poured out on us redeems our life. And afresh and anew, you give us the opportunity to shout, I am the Lord's. To shout, I am the Lord's. Through my struggle, through my difficulties, through my shortcomings, I am the Lord's. And that will not change. I belong to him. And he holds me in his hands. Father, I thank you. We receive the ministry of your spirit. Restoring us. Every day. Every moment. We feel distant from you. And less than what you have called us to be, who you have called us to be. We thank you for your mercy, your restoration grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. To learn more about our church or to watch video sermons, visit gracecovedc.org.